الجزيرة بودكاست When Nigerians head to the polls on February 25th, two of their main presidential candidates will be very familiar and established faces. I will work to ensure I restore unity and I give a sense of belonging to all Nigerians. Nigeria, hear me loud and clear. The hope is here. One is a former vice president running for a record six times. The other, a former governor of Nigeria's most populous state and the favored successor of the current president. Their parties have dominated Nigerian politics since its return to democracy in 1999. But according to most of the polls, they're not the front runners. This man is. Join us, support us, to fight to build a new Nigeria. If he wins, it would completely reshape politics in Africa's largest democracy. And the idea of that is getting a lot of people excited. This is a triumphant entry. This is a magnificent entry. So can he actually win? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. You might have noticed I didn't actually mention the name of the leading candidate in that introduction. I'll be honest, I did that because I wanted to keep you listening. But I'll tell you now. His name is Peter Obi, and he's a businessman who's now the face of Nigeria's Labour Party. We'll be talking about him a lot in this episode, starting with Mark Amaza, a Nigerian political expert. It's important to hear Mark on how the failures of the political establishment most recently outgoing President Muhammadu Buhari, have set the scene for someone like Obi to take center stage. For this election, the hot-button issues will include issues which sadly are not new and recur every election cycle. Economic issues, security issues, corruption, and so on. Bandits, they've turned the country's highways into high-risk zones, frequently kidnapping travelers. Nigeria is neck deep in debt. The currency is at its lowest value ever, and prices for everything are soaring. Nigeria scored 24 out of 100 points in the 2021 Corruption Perception Index. Those are topmost on the agenda for voters in terms of choosing a new leadership that will solve these problems, these perennial problems. So if these are perennial issues, would you say that they have gotten worse? over the administration of Buhari? Yeah, they have gotten worse. Mm. They have clearly gotten worse. All the numbers have gotten worse. In terms of unemployment, it's gotten worse. Incomes have become more depressed. Insecurity has gotten worse. Inflation has gotten worse. In almost every parameter, things have gotten worse. Oh. In the past eight years, we have gone through two recessions in Nigeria. We are dealing with record insecurities. The secessionist agitations in the Southeast have turned violent. You have a spirit of kidnapping on our highways. Mark says people feel disheartened by the state of affairs. And it doesn't seem like they're energized by the two other main candidates, Atiku Abubakar of the People's Democratic Party and Bola Tinubu of the incumbent All Progressives Congress. And yet, there is a sense of excitement around the 2023 election that Mark hasn't felt in more recent ones. 
The reason? Peter Obi. Talk to me about how significant the candidacy of Peter Obi is. It's quite significant because I think his emergence and his run so far makes it one of the most exciting elections since 1999 in terms of level of competitiveness. And I will say the first time since 1983 that Nigerian election has one or two strong contenders. You now have a third force or a third party candidate, which is something that a lot of Nigerians have desired for a long while. They have desired more options. Mark says Nigeria's youth in particular have gotten behind Peter Obi as an agent of change. And some of them, it's probably safe to say his most ardent supporters, have even come up with a nickname for themselves. The Obedience. Are you obedient? I am obedient. Are you obedient? We are obedient. And if you're still not convinced of Obi's stardom, he just had a Nollywood movie made about him. He go treat you with kindness. I'm not Nigerian, but even I know that's a big deal, even if it wasn't a blockbuster, and even if the voice the actor put on to portray him was somewhat questionable. It's time for us to stand up and tell this government what they are doing that is wrong. And receive negative reviews. You're mocking the voice of our incoming president. Can you tell me a little bit about who Peter Obi is? What's his background? Where did he come from? Okay, so he's a businessman with many business interests in banking, in brewing, in retail, who became governor of Anambra State in the Southeast in 2006. The most exciting thing for many of his supporters is the fact that he, there hasn't been one corruption charge against him, which is very rare in Nigerian politics. Many ex-governors have one corruption case or the other that they are in court for, but he has none. He built a reputation as being a very frugal governor in terms of how he was prudent with government finances, a departure from the norm of wasteful spending in Nigerian governments. And the worst accusation that's been thrown against him by his critics is that he saved too much money. The criticism, I just want to make sure I get this right, one of the criticisms could be that he saved too much money? Yes, rather than <laughs> spend it on problem solving. Right. That he also bet on saving. He's a wealthy businessman with a penny-pinching reputation, and he's shaking up the Nigerian electorate. And a lot of his frugality also disrupted what I would call the political economy of the state, because many politicians were disenchanted by the fact that they were not getting money from him. So that doesn't make him the favorite of many political establishments in many ways. And yet, there are other ways in which Obi does seem part of the political elite. For one, in the last election, he was actually the running mate of Abu Bakr, who's also running this year. Abu Bakr has picked the former governor of Anand State, Peter Obi, as his running mate for the 2019 election. Obi was still part of Abu Bakr's PDP until last May. And how much his ideology lines up with his new party, Labour, is up for debate. He's a wealthy businessman who was even named in the Pandora Papers investigation for concealing assets in foreign tax shelters. And despite his reputation as a maverick and an icon for youth voters, at 61, 
he's not actually that young himself. The difference is, one, he has been part of this establishment way shorter than his contenders. <laughs> Two, his image is one of, oh, is, is that of a simple, simple man. Um, when he was governor, even as governor, he was known for traveling without any large entourage. So he has always been very personable, very approachable, a simple person. And those things endear him to people in a country where even those who have held letter offices um, throw their weight around. So people do not see him as establishment politician. So he have really energized the young people because they see it in him that stark difference compared to Tinobu and Atiku. And that contrast to his competitors has helped Obi bring the previously small Labour Party into the national conversation. So, Mark, if Obi does win, his party is so small, it might not have that much of a presence in Parliament. So what challenges could that bring up? It's not that. It might not have much of a presence. It will not have much of a presence in the Parliament. (laughs) I mean, there's no beating around the bush on that. It's going to be very challenging for them. And you will likely see a lot of roadblocks that will be put up by both the other parties. So he may find his legislative agenda being challenged in many ways. It will depend on how he's able to navigate these challenges and possibly of horse trading with the other parties to be able to get things to move. Six months ago, people thought, you know, Labour Party is not a real party. There's no party structure. That's Preston Ide, the co-founder of Steers, a company at the forefront of voter opinion polling in Nigeria. There's no way he comes close to winning the elections, right? And many people said, if you vote for Peter B, you're wasting your vote. But what we have seen is how momentum, support, particularly from that younger demographic, the 18 to 40, has shown that you can mobilize around the candidate and genuinely elevate that candidate from being a third force party to making the entire elections with three horse race. So I do think that Peter B has been significant in not just what the final result will say, right? But actually how people think about elections giving Nigerians is hope that you can break away from that two-party dominant system that has been part of Nigerian elections since 1999. But the polling that suggests Obi will win the election does not mean it's a certainty. And even if he does, there are deep-rooted issues that he would have to resolve. More on that after the break. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, a dramatized podcast from Al Jazeera. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. In late 2020, a youth movement against police brutality in Nigeria swept the nation. And it's still reverberating today. Stop killing us. That's the demand made by thousands of Nigerians protesting against police brutality. Known as INSARS, the protests led to the disbanding of an arm of the police, the special anti-robbery squad. Mark, the political analyst we've been talking to, was at some of the protests. 
And he says the issues it highlighted still matter as Nigeria heads to the polls. The noise around it have continued. So a lot of young people involved have made the issue of police brutality and government reforms one of the things they look out for in candidates. The effects of a recent social and political awakening may lead to youths at the polls in record numbers. And you could see all parties are trying their best to claim their candidates on the right side of history. So there's still that energy that's going in all the way to this current election cycle. The NSARS movement brought youth power in Nigeria to the forefront. But it wasn't the only time. Mark was heavily involved in a campaign called Not Too Young to Run, which led to lowering the national age to run for office. Successes like that is why Mark says many now believe bigger changes are possible. The failure of those two parties is the reason why there's been a lot of clamor for the emergence of an alternative party. Because those two parties have not delivered on the hope that people had of democracy when from 1999. Even worse, they have heavily monetized politics. And you see that example in how they charge exorbitant fees for people who have interest in running for office. So people see all of this and then a lot of people don't have faith. Those candidates can end up delivering on good governance. Given Mark says so many Nigerians are just desperate for something new, you might question whether Peter Obi is just benefiting from a particular moment in time. But Preston Ide from the Steers polling organization is quick to push back. I have a controversial response to that question. I think it doesn't matter. In 2019, in 2015, in 2011, there were people looking for something different. We have been looking for something different because the general perception is things aren't going well for the country. So let's say there has been demand for some form of change. Being able to find someone that can channel that energy is significant. This election is one of the world's most complex electoral races. But it's in a country where official data is so unreliable that no one even knows the exact size of the population. And that's why the extent to which polling data has entered the conversation this time around is unprecedented. Some predictions even come with a bit of nuance, with one saying Peter Obi is most likely to win if there is high turnout. Preston knows a bit about that model. We're the ones who said that. And he's happy to geek out on the details, starting with the fact that turnout was only about 35% last time. So what are all our data analysts actually showed is that the most important lever for the 2022 elections in Nigeria is turnout. Where turnout lands is the heaviest predictor of who win the elections. Last election, turnout was around 35%, something in that range. If we start going up to 45%, 50% turnout, right, where we're looking at a potential Peter Obi victory, right? If turnout stays the same, if we're seeing the numbers that we've seen historically in 2015 and 2019, then we're looking at a APC, you know, sort of winning the elections. The next question then, of course, is how likely is high turnout? And the signs look good. 93.5 million Nigerians have already registered to vote. That's almost half the country's population. And of those registered voters, around 40% are under age 35. 
we are seeing a higher level of engagement in this election than we've seen in previous elections, right? And most analysts attribute that increased engagement to Peter B's candidacy in the elections. If you follow that logical sort of argument, then you would also assume that a lot of the new voters are people who have found a candidate that makes them sort of do things that they haven't done before, like vote for the first time. Given polling is so new to Nigeria, Mark is somewhat skeptical of the data. Not specifically what Preston has done, but just in general. This is the first election in which polls are widespread. So there's no precedent with which to measure the effectiveness or the reliability of the polling. I do see these polls and I look at them and I feel like in many ways, they may not be a very accurate reflection of what is on ground. Preston does concede there could be things that impact the election in ways the data may not have been able to account for, like fuel shortages, despite being an oil-rich country, election violence, and that the central bank recently introduced new currency notes. The new bills have been in short supply. That's led to long queues and chaotic scenes at banks. All of those realities make it harder for people to get to the polls. There's currently a crunch in that there aren't enough new notes to go around. Now, Nigeria is a very cash-heavy economy. And so what you find is on a day-to-day basis, people can't necessarily do the things they could do a month ago, like pay for transport, go home, right? You know, run their businesses. There are a couple of things here and there that just introduce enough friction to somehow suggest that people might decide for convenience to stay home on election day. But despite all the disclaimers, Preston says he's still confident in his company's predictions. I'm not nervous. And one of the reasons I'm not nervous, actually, about whether the final results will corroborate our polls is that we produce scenarios. Should all our scenarios turn out to be wrong, every single one of them, then we would have to get back together as a team and say, guys, what's going on here? But I think our prediction poll was the first of its kind in Nigeria. It's exciting to be the first person to do it anyway. We're coming from a place where people are like, oh, we're doing polls in Nigeria now? We'll take that. All this polling and data means there's also a wealth of new information available to voters about candidates. And with all of that information, you'd think people might have made up their minds, especially political experts like Mark. But apparently not. Do you know who you're going to vote for when it comes down to it? You don't have to tell us, but has your mind been made up? I have a very fair idea of who I want to vote for. I have not fully made up my mind. So I I believe I still have time to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm so curious, though. How have you not fully made up your mind? You sound very um, assured of what each party represents. So what is it for you that's uncertain? Perhaps that's a problem. I had to having too much information. <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm, I'm suffering from analysis paralysis when it comes uh, to who to vote for. <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes sense. With five days to go, for Mark, it all comes back to the excitement of Nigeria's first real three-way race in his lifetime. I think it's exciting to the point that it's really hard to able to make clear predictions on how it will go. For the very first time, there's serious conversation about the possibility of a runoff elections, which is which has never happened in Nigeria. 
So even if we have seen different polls that predict different winners, those polls cannot just be believed entirely. So that's how exciting this, that's how close call this race is. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Mahotra with Nagin Oliai, Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Our engagement producers are Andy Greiner and Adam Abugad. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Wednesday.